0: It was only when I realized that Jesus was alive that I understood the verse about not worshiping dumb idols. I thought they meant stupid idols, because that was New York talk. Dumb is stupid. But he meant the ones that can't talk to you. Amen. You know, my wife, being brought up in Buddhism, she said all the years that she served Buddha, he never talked to her. But the day she got saved, Jesus talked to her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, this has been great. It was a great day today, wasn't it? Praise God, praise God. We're leaving here full. And guess what? We're on overfill tonight. Amen. So would you welcome to the platform, Pastor Lisa Womble?
1: Come on, we what did we hear last night? The kingdom of God has a sound, right? So come on, it's a sound of victory. Come on, this one we go from the offense, not the defense. Hallelujah. Let me hear it. Yes, we magnify you,
2: Lord. We exalt
1: you, Father God. You are El Shaddai. Come on. The God that's more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can't be seated. Woo! I hope y'all are pumped up. Ready? Come on, we're going for round two? Because I believe with all my heart. I talked to Pastor Brenda today, and they're on the the northern part of California. Their regional meeting just ended. And she told me that they're preaching around the same things that we're talking about today. God's raising up His church. He's waking up His church. Come on. Because we are all, like they said, born for this time. Come on, we're not we're not back here afraid of what the enemy's doing. We're not back here, you know, like oh gosh, I can't believe what the world's doing. No, no, no. We're here. We got the answer. Come on, we got the power we got the resurrection, as Pastor Carol said this morning, resurrection power of God living on the inside of us. That means I don't need to be afraid of any agenda. I don't need to be afraid of any demon. I don't need to be afraid of anybody that comes up with something weird because all I have to do is speak the name of Jesus. And guess what happens? The enemy's got to go. Come on. Confusion has to go. Everything that God has for us is yes and amen. You know, I love what Pastor Bob said, the difference between a Bible-believing church and a word-of-faith church. That means we not only believe every word in here, we believe we can do it. We believe we can act on it. We can believe that what God said He's going to do. I tell people all the time, it's too late to try to convince me this isn't right. It is way too late. I've been in it my whole entire life. You cannot convince me that word-of-faith isn't right. There is nothing you convince me. Do I know the good, bad, and ugly of word of faith? Absolutely. I've seen it my whole entire life. I know when people get off course. I know when they get back on course. I know when they don't believe it all the way. But let me tell you, it is the Word of God. And everything that I read in here is that because of what He did for us on the cross, come on, there is nothing we need to be afraid of, nothing we need to be concerned about. Because of what He's accomplished, we can do everything that He's assigned for us to do. And I, as, as we were worshiping, I just started praying, and I believe there's going to be people in here tonight, whether you're called in the fivefold ministry, where you're a lay person, whatever your role is in the body of Christ, some of y'all are going to get callings to do some things that you never imagined yourself doing. Amen. I really believe it with all my heart, because God is telling us there's no more time to sit in the pew. There's no more time to hide our Christianity behind our four walls. Come on, It's more. you've got to do more than wear a little cross necklace or wear a little lapel on you. You've got to put more than a bumper sticker on your car. We've got to live this life in front of the whole world. You know, uh, Pastor Kempy and I, we do a lot more for our grandchildren than we ever did for our children. And anybody who has grandchildren understand that. And so when our grandchildren started getting older, we put a pool in the backyard. We would have never spent that money on our children. And so... But we do it for our grandkids because we want them at the house all the time, right? Well, my mother's dentist actually lives in our neighborhood down the street, and he made a comment to her. He said, man, they, they must really be people people because there's always cars at their house. And my mama goes, "They ain't just people. That's their family. <laughs> and the whole neighborhood talks about the noise that comes out of our backyard. Y'all, that's letting them see the goodness of God Amen. And we've got to be that bold witness to everybody else of how good it is to serve God. So last night we talked about how there's only two sides. The Bible says there's only two sides. You're either on God's side, and if you're not all the way in, if you're not totally sold out, if you're not definitely in it, then by default you're on Satan's side. Because he said, if you're not fighting with me, then you're actually fighting against me. So that means if you're not being vocal, then you're really not helping the cause any. And there's only either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world. And we act different, behave different, walk different, carry ourselves different. We walk from a place of, of victory instead of a place of defeat. We don't walk around with a sense of worry and heaviness on us because the economy's gone bad or gas has gone up. We don't walk around whining and complaining about what's happening in the world why because we got the answer we've got the victory amen Amen? and so we've got to walk around with with the culture that somebody else is going to recognize and I don't care if you're out in the secular world because you can do the same thing in the secular world you can't don't believe that you can't take your Christianity with you in the in the in the secular world or in the corporate world because you can they have no right. Show me where it says that I can't talk about Jesus. Tell me where it says I can't bring my Bible. Yeah. They can't do it. And if they come against you, it's time for us to fight back. Amen. It's time for us to say, no, this is my Bible. I can bring my Bible to work. I did when I was working as a nurse in the hospital. I, I started this Christian Nurses Association. And so all the Christians started coming. Well, the girl came to me. She said, Lisa, now you can't, you can't, you have to invite uh, Muslims and you have to invite Buddhists and you have to invite everybody. I said, what part of Christian Nurses Association do you not understand? And she said, well, you have to open up to everybody. I said, well, everybody's welcome to come, but I'm not talking about Buddha. I'm not talking about Muhammad. I'm talking about Jesus in this meeting. Guess what happened? She backed off. We've got to stand up. And say, no, you have to back off because I have a right to talk about my God. And so he got to the point where everywhere they went, I told him, I said, if you're, if you're going to hang out with me, if you're going to work for me, then you're going to hear about God because what do we do at work? We share our life, right? And I, so I said, if you're going to hang around me, you're going to hear about God because he's so much an important part of my life, you'll hear about him. Well, it got to where every Monday they would, I couldn't wait for me to get to work because then they wouldn't tell me, what, tell me what happened at church yesterday. I mean, you're about know, unsaved people want to know what happened at church yesterday, and then it get to well, I could tell them, man, boy, we had this many people filled with the Holy Ghost. Man, God started moving. This many people got healed. You could share everything with them, and they wanted to know it. And then it got to the point where they knew that when there was a crisis, guess what? They'd come find me. Yeah. See, they gotta be looking for you because somehow they know. One girl said, "You seem to have just an inroad to God that I don't have." I said, "You can have it too. Yeah. Let me tell you how." so we had this man that was up in the unit, and he had gotten his arms caught in a corn auger. And so they had chewed the, his arm, both of his arms up to here, and he kept reliving it over and over again because if you don't know that when somebody gets their arms or legs or amputated, they can still feel the pain yeah. because the nerve endings still tell them that they're there. So he kept reliving it over and over again. I mean, screaming and, and pain and all this stuff. So all of a sudden, there's a knock on my office door, and the guy goes, there's a crisis um, upstairs. I don't need you to come with me. I said, what are you talking about? He said, Lisa, just come with me. So I go upstairs. He said, this man's reliving this nightmare. You need to go in there and pray. So I walk into the room and I close the door behind me and I just begin to pray in tongues. then I walk over to his bed and I just command the enemy to leave him alone and just peace to come over him. And I begin to pray in tongues over him and immediately he falls asleep. See, you've got to be bold enough, come on, to go into a room and do whatever God tells you to do in that room. Because what happens is they begin to see there's something different about you that's different about them. And what it it is, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You're filled with the power of God. Amen? So you've got to have that in there. We determine all of that. And we know without a shadow of a doubt, y'all, come on, election season's coming. What is the enemy going to do? Try to divide us. Try to get us mad at each other. We know another pandemic's coming. They've already put it out, out there that it's coming. What is he going to try to do? Trying to get the mass people mad at the unmasked people and vice versa. Trying to get the vaccinated people mad at the unvaccinated people and vice versa. It's your fault this is happening. No, it's your fault that this is happening. He's going to try to get everybody mad at the church if they stay open or if they close. Listen to me. You've got to not let that in you. You've got to refuse to take that offense. I tell my church all the time, don't bite the apple. The, the world is putting an apple in front of you to be offended over something and to be mad at somebody else. Don't bite the apple. Don't Amen? The apple. Because I'm going to tell you, I need the power of God flowing in my life. Amen. I need to be able to hear God. I can't be offended. I can't be mad. I tell them, if you're, if you're listening to the news and it's making you mad, shut it off. You can't go from it. Now, I believe. I want to hear stuff. I want to know what's happening in the world. But if it starts changing me, if it starts causing me to get in fear, if it's causing me to get angry, then I need to shut it off because I'm not ready to hear it. And I tell them, if you listen to an hour of the news, you better spend two hours in the Word. You better spend two hours in the presence of God. You better put on some praise and worship music to counteract what you've just heard because i got to flow over here more than I have to flow over here. There's nothing wrong with knowing what's happening. I need to know what's happening sometimes. I need to know the plan of the enemy, but then I got to come over here to see what the plan of God is, Amen. right? Because I got to flow in this vein. I got to flow in this way. I got to hear what God's got to say about the situation, and not over here in what the world says about the situation. So we've got to be ready and we've got to be prepared because there's hope yes. for the, us to know Him. There's hope, right? The Bible, if we listen to it, if we obey it, our children are going to be protected, we're going to be protected, we're going to be blessed, and the church is the only thing that has the answer to what these people need. Amen. Amen. You're the only one that's got the answer for them. So we've got to be ready and we've got to prepare. And we know that as the gospel affects people's hearts, it's going to affect the culture. Amen. Amen. So we've got to be ready. And we've got to be ready to strike because they're coming after the church. Everything that they're passing and everything they're doing is to silence the church. Why? Because the enemy knows the church has the power to make a change. It is time for them to be afraid of the church just like they were when the church started. We've gotten weak. We've gotten lazy. Say, but not me. (laughs) Come on, say, not me. Not me. Not me. Not ICFM, say not Not our company, not our group. Come on, we're going to rise up and be bolder than we've ever been before. Amen. We've got to be ready for that. We've, gotta, we've got to be able to speak out against evil. We've got to call evil what it is. God was very specific in His Word how He wants us to act, how He wants us to behave, and how He wants us to live. He didn't sugarcoat sin. When Jesus went to people, He didn't sugarcoat sin. He did love, he compassion on people, but he didn't sugarcoat their sin. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. And I'm using NLT unless I say otherwise. He said, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all, all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. Amen. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Amen. Now, I love this part. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. If you don't know, pick up your Bible. Come on, get in the presence of God and ask Him. Because those of us who've been in it for a long time, I may not be doing some of the immorality or any of those kind of things, but there'll be an attitude in me that that God's not pleased with. There may be something I might have said to somebody God's not pleased with. Well, I believe in these last days, you've got to be right, so right with God, you can't allow an attitude to be in you. You can't allow gossip to be in you. You can't allow anything in you that's going to hinder your ability to hear from Him in these last days. So he said, carefully consider or determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Well, we just don't need to say anything. What did he just tell you to do? Expose Expose them. That means you got to say something, Right? It is shameful even to talk about things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be expo- exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why he said. So he said, in other words, don't just talk about what they do in, in, in behind closed doors. Expose it. If you're going to talk about it, it needs to be to expose what they're doing. Not to just sit around and talk about it. Like we had this one particular person that wanted to come in and talk about things, but all they wanted to do was an excuse to talk dirty. You see the difference? So I can't be talking about the things that these evil people are doing just so I can talk dirty. I have to be talking about what these evil people are doing because I want to expose them. You see the difference? So here's what he's saying to the church. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. Living by the Spirit's power. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity of these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You have to speak out against evil. But this is what you've got to do. You've got to be so in tune with the Spirit that means you better be praying in the spirit. Like I said last night, more than you've ever prayed before. You've got to spend more time with God than you've ever spent before. You've got to be in his word like this is your life. You know what I mean people there are people that I know that are so faithful to get up at the same time every morning to take their medication. This is what you need every single day of your life. Because what I have found is that God talks to me most of the time when I'm reading his word. He's given me an answer. He's he's telling me direction. I mean, I could be reading Leviticus. It is amazing how God can tell me something reading Leviticus. Nobody wants to read that book. It's boring, right? I mean, it's law after law. I tell everybody, everybody's like, the Bible could be boring. I said, well, you know what I read when I'm reading Leviticus? Thank you, Jesus. I was not born during that time. Thank you, I'm born under grace. But I'm telling you, he can talk to you through every part of it because it's alive. And it, you ought to be in love with your Bible. Amen. We tease all the time. Everybody should have a favorite Bible. Yeah. Amen. The one that you go to all the time. I, I, do, I do something probably not everybody else does. It's kind of weird, but I get a different translation every year to just read through. Now, it's not my study Bible. It's not one, I, but it's just something I read every morning. I just do a different translation because I think it's kind of fun. Right now, I'm in King James. Oh, Lord. <laughs> My, that's probably the hardest one I've ever done. But, you, but I do that because I don't want yesterday's revelation. I want today's revelation. Now, do I write in it? Yes, I write in it because this is this year's Bible that I'm writing in. But when I'm studying to preach the Word or preach what God wants me to preach, I don't go by yesterday's revelation. I want fresh revelation of what He wants me to say now. Now, what I find fascinating is a lot of people want to come up and tell you, "Well, you could have used this scripture, you could have used that scripture, you could have used this scripture." There's a lot of scriptures in the Bible you could use, but you better be using the ones he wants you to use for that particular time. And listen, we can't, we can't, we as ministers of the gospel, and we as pastors and leaders that are going to talk to God's people, I can't, I can't just come with some canned sermon. Come on, that I haven't spent time in the throne room of God to ask Him, what do you want your people to hear? What do they need in their life right now? You know, Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24 is wonderful. It's great. It all ignited a or lit a light bulb inside of us. It gave us revelation we didn't ever have, have before. But if that's all I do, then I'm not going to know how to function in my life when I'm faced with a crisis. Or when somebody comes to me and tells me homosexuality is okay what good is quoting Mark 11, 23 and 24 is going to do? But when I can pick up the word and say, no, because the word says this. Yeah. See, i got to have everything that's in this book. Amen? So we've got, to, we've got to know this book. We've got to study this book. It's got to be our lifeline. But he said, oh, wait, it's time for us to wake up. Look at your neighbor and say, if you've been asleep, wake up. We have to be, y'all, we've got a culture of hate, death, and darkness but when we come on the scene what do we bring we bring life we bring love we bring light into the situation amen so we've got to do that as a follower of christ you must be established in your faith abounding with thanksgiving and as as you ellen said yesterday in the sun in bible study she's i loved it she said you've got to already make up your mind right now how you're going to act You better already make up your mind how you're going to respond to a situation. I can't wait till the world hits me with something. I've got to already know I'm standing on this This is my foundation, and I don't care what wonderful words of persuasion you bring to me. I don't care what flattery you try to give me with your intellectual degrees. I don't care about any of that. This is what God's Word says. I'm standing on this. I'm sticking to this. I'm not moving off of it. He said this is wrong. I'm staying with it. I can't base it off somebody's feelings. I can't base it off a family member that decides to do something that's against God's Word. I can't base it on my emotions. Come on, I love you, but what you're doing is sin. And we have to be able to tell them it's sin. You cannot side with sin. You cannot side with evil. You lose your witness and you lose your power. So you've got to stick with God. Amen? You've got to do what he said. And this Bible talks about every bit of cultural issues that are we're facing today. It's an attack on the church. And the fact that whether the church is essential is going to be coming back up. Amen. So you better make up your mind what you're going to do about it. Better make up your mind where you're going to stand with it. Amen. I told everybody already that if they, if they come and try to arrest me because I'm keeping the church open, I'm going to tell them I don't believe in women preachers. Pastor Kempy's right there. I will sacrifice him to go to jail for me. And you know what, Pastor Bob, I meant to say this at the beginning, but y'all, when I get up here and I get behind here, I just forget all the niceties and all the things I want to say because I'm ready to just go into the Word. But he talks about Florida being the best state there is. Well, I can agree with that because I was born in Florida. And then I moved to Georgia. So I tell my husband all the time, he's the luckiest man in the world because he has a Florida sunshine girl and a Georgia peach all rolled into one. So he's so blessed. <laughs> now, here, here, the last pandemic, they tried to shut the church down, right? And, and a lot of us complied. We, we kind of, we didn't really close the doors of the church, but we kind of met outside for a little while. But it it, was in, it got, became June and it got hot. So we're like, forget this, we're going back inside, right? And so people panicked and they always want to throw up Romans 13.1 to you. So we're going to dig into thir- Romans 13.1. So in California, Governor Newsom fined John Piper and a couple of other well-known pastors because they did not close their doors. And they actually, they're, they're coming out with a movie called The Essential Church. When it comes out, do everything you can to watch it because I believe we need to support these movies, okay? And so in it, they show in the boardroom where John Piper, now we're, I'm, I don't listen to John Piper, but he—he—he—he's he's in, they're in their boardroom and they're discussing this Romans 13.1 and they're trying to decide... Am I I to obey this or am I to obey God? And, of course, the board decides we need to obey God and not man, and so we're going to open the church. They fined him millions of dollars and threatened him with jail. And so his attorney was Jenna Ellis. I don't know if you all have heard about her, but she just got indicted um, with this whole Trump thing. And so this is what she had to say, and I'm going to quote her word for word because I could never articulate it the way she did. So what she did is they went on the offense, which I love. And she said this, first, you have to prove Governor Newsom and L.A. County officials that your COVID mandates are constitutionally sound before you try to hold Pastor MacArthur in contempt of this type of order. We must stand firm that church is essential and that Christ is head of the church and not the government and not the state. We must protect our liberties. This is really about whose church it is. The church of Jesus Christ, and he is the head of it. And he is the only one who tells us, his children, the church and Christians, how they should worship, or are we going to become subservient to the state? He is the only one that has the authority to tell us what to do. Yes, we must have respect for positions of authority. The separation of church and state is a jurisdictional question. In other words, the jurisdiction of the civil government is different than the jurisdiction of the church. It doesn't mean that there are no overlapping principles in terms of the Christian, the individual's engagement in the church government or family government. We get into trouble when we want to have these coordinate institutions subordinate one to the other. So if the church subordinates to the state in terms of their rightful jurisdiction, the state is then infringing upon religious freedom. Just like if the individual is subordinate in terms of parental rights and family issues, the state has no jurisdiction to tell a parent how to raise their child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Then they are subordinate to an illegitimate jurisdiction and they have an illegitimate power claim. We cannot give them any power over us whatsoever. The church and state separation is again a jurisdictional question. All jurisdictions should be under God's authority and we have to, according to Romans 13, give unto Caesar, Caesar the civil government what is Caesar's and give unto God the church government what is God's. Both are under God's authority. In our Constitution it is impossible to get away from God. Our rights come from God and you cannot talk about rights, freedom and liberty without an objective source to base it on. And if you read your Constitution, every line is taken from the Word of God. That's what they based their objective truth on, was the Word of God. Why do y'all think that the school system no longer teaches children how to write in cursive? They don't want them to be able to read the Constitution. We've got to know it. She said, this country was not built on a system of government with a pluralistic society meaning that there are different pathways and different relativistic views on how to get, get to good, how to define the measurable difference between right and wrong, good and evil, where the powers of government are derived from, or where our rights are derived from. It was not a pluralistic viewpoint. It was based on God's Word. We can certainly have different opinions, but in terms of the jurisdiction of the state and its legitimate lawful authority, our founders specifically recognized that it was derived from God's ultimate authority. We are built on the recognition of truth based on the person of Jesus Christ, and you cannot get the liberty you want without this. True freedom is only found in God. So you don't let them throw Romans 13, 1 up to you. What I told people is we have to respect the office And then everybody wants to say, well, whoever is in office is who God ordained. No, he did not. But I'm happy to say that they won that lawsuit. John MacArthur did not have to pay them anything. He did not get put in prison. Amen. And we will continue to win if we fight against them. Amen. And so we have to do that. God has given us the power to stand against the enemy. And somehow he's managed to convince the church that God really didn't say that we have to meet. I actually heard a pastor say, everybody's going to tell you that you have to assemble together. He goes, come here, come here, come here. No, he did not. Yes, he did. (laughs) The very word church means an assembly. Okay? We have to gather. Iron cannot sharpen iron if we're not rubbing up against each other. You can't encourage each other if you're not looking at each other and seeing each other. I can't read what's happening in your life. Yes, God can tell me. Yes, I can pray. God can tell me things. But there's so much more when I can look you eyeball to eyeball. And I can tell what's going on in your life. I tell the church all the time, you know, we, we've got a lot of young people running our lights and stuff. And sometimes when I'm up there preaching, they'll turn the lights down. And I'm like, turn them lights back up. Right. I want to see you eyeball to eyeball. Why? Because then I can perceive things. God can talk to me, He can tell me things. That's why you need to be in church. Amen. I love one thing that says you can, you can miss in church is a misdemeanor because the more you miss it, the meaner you get. <laughs> but we got to have church. It's the most essential thing in a crisis than ever because we have the right word. We have the right thing. We have the presence of God there. Amen? And so we've got to meet together. We cannot let them win this thing. And his famous thing, the thing that he loves to do more than anything else is ask you the same thing he did in the garden. I mean, did God really say? Did God really say homosexuality is wrong? Did God really say that there's only two genders? Did God really say that we have to meet together? I mean, can't I just get the same thing at home? And we've got to be able to answer those questions for them and give them, right? Is the Bible really culturally relevant today? I mean, after all, it was written so long ago. Does it really apply to my life now? And those are the kind of questions that young people are asking. And we've got to provide it for them and say, yes, it does matter. Yes, it is relevant. And don't buy the lie that you've got to be like them, dress like them, act like them in order to get them to come to church. That's not true. I don't have to get tattooed up and put earrings in my nose and in my tongue and in my ear. I don't have to wear funky clothes because to me, I don't, I don't care how great you look, what kind of body you have. But when you're 60 and 70 years old and you're trying to wear clothes like a 20-year-old, you look stupid. I'm sorry. You just be yourself. Jesus didn't do anything different. And what happened? Everywhere he went, people followed him. It's the anointing and it's the compassion that draws people to you. Amen? So you don't buy any of the lies he's giving. God ordained government, but ungodly, abusive government he did not ordain. Amen? So none of them, I love it. Hosea chapter 8 verse 3 says, but it is too late. The people of Israel have rejected what is good, and now their enemies will chase after them. The Bible, ha- the people have appointed kings without my consent, and princes without my approval. By making idols for themselves from their silver and gold, they have brought about their own destruction. When you put the wrong person in office, your enemy chases after you. Amen. Amen. And they come after the godly. So, not everybody that's in office, I can't stand it when somebody tells me, well, I just don't vote because whoever God wants in office will get in there. No, that's not true. And sometimes I think God said, You picked them, you voted them in, have fun. So, we've got to be praying, we've got to know what God says. Who put those ungodly kings over Israel? They did. God, first of all, told them, I don't even want you to have a king, you're different you're not you're my people i'm to rule and reign over you but no they wanted to be just like everybody else and have a king and god said i'll let you have one but you're not going to be real happy with what you get and they weren't so as the pastors and ministers they, here's the thing god the, a lot of people say you know i i i don't i don't want to get too much into that because people are going to get offended and they're going to leave the church and And then, you know, if you're an evangelist, well, I may not be asked back if I go and talk about all these kind of things. And, you know, my partnership may go down. The offerings may go down. But if you accept the call to walk in the fivefold ministry gifts, then you have been ordained and you have been called to sound the alarm of impending danger. You by default accepted that responsibility. When God called you and you said yes, then you have accepted the responsibility to sound the alarm. Now, as a child of God, even if you're not called in the fivefold ministry, you've got a responsibility to speak truth. Amen. Amen? So we have to do it. look at Ezekiel chapter three, verse seventeen. He said, "Son of man, I've appointed you as a watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. Amen. If I warn the wicked saying you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, They will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. If you warn them and they refuse to repent and keep on sinning, they will die in their sins, but you will have saved yourself because you obeyed me. If righteous people turn away from their righteous behavior and ignore the obstacles I put in their way, they will die. And if you do not warn them, they will die in their sins. None of their righteous acts will be remembered, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn righteous people not to sin and they listen to you and do not sin, they will live and you will have saved yourself too. Now this is important. We we had a situation in Georgia and and, um, we had a lady that was really going through this big court case and it was a fight between her and her neighbor. I gave her Dr. Eve's book on on the neighbor thing and tried to get her to, to do things God's way and not do things in the flesh. She didn't listen and kept doing them in the flesh. And here it comes up time for election time to vote vote for um, a governor, not, not governor, senator in the state of Georgia, and uh, she didn't like the Republican candidate that was running, who was a solid Christian man, who he was running against, called himself a reverend, but believed in pro-choice, Said from the pulpit that God's okay with abortion, God's okay with homosexuality from his pulpit, and that's who she was going to vote for because she didn't like the other person. Okay. And so God tells me to go tell her that she is fixing to fate a major court, court battle and she's asking God for a miracle, but that she cannot vote against God and expect God to move on her behalf. Now, I wrestled with that through the whole service because I knew she was not going to receive what I said. So I kept saying, God, don't you want to have somebody else you want to say that, say that to him? God, really, do you really want me to go say this? You know what she's going to say if I go say this to her. So I took one of the elders with us because I wanted a witness to witness what I said. And I said, listen, I have been wrestling with this the whole service. I do not want to say this to you, but I have to obey God because God's going to hold me responsible if I don't. And I said, you need a miracle in your court case. You're going to court on Tuesday. And I said, you're about to walk in that voting booth and vote against God. And God said, you can't vote against me and expect me to move on your behalf. And she said, well, I can't vote for him because he's dumb as a box of rocks. I said, are you telling me that God can't put his hand on a man and surround him by people that can help him and teach him and train him? And she said, no, he's just dumb. I can't do that. I said, so a man who calls himself reverend, who tells everybody that God's okay with abortion and God's okay with homosexuality is not dumb? She said, well, I just won't vote at all. I said, that is rebellion. If I can't do it my way, God, I just won't do anything at all. She got mad, she left the church, she did not vote, and she lost her court case. And she is still pouting with me today. How long later? How long has it been? Eight months? A year? Sitting in the home, unemployed, with nothing to do, because she simply would not obey God but I'm innocent of, of what she's doing right now because I obeyed him, right? So we've got to... Now, I don't mean... You just don't go out to people and say things that God didn't tell you to say, right? But well, when God tells you to say something, you say it. Ezekiel 33, verse 1. He said, Once again a message came to me to the, from the Lord, and he said, Son of man, give your people this message. When I bring an army against a country, the people of that land chose one of their own to be a watchman. And when the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people. Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it is their fault if they die. They heard the alarm but ignored it, so the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could have saved their lives. But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he's responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. Now, son of man, I'm making you a watchman for the people of Israel. Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them for me. If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you fail to tell them to change their ways, then warn them to, and they will die in their sins and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn them to repent and they don't repent, they will die in their sins, but you will have saved yourself. Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. Our sins are heavy upon us. We are wasting away. How can we survive? As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn for their wicked ways so they can live. Turn, turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? You've been called to shepherd the flock. You've been called to warn them of danger. But you know what? That includes the sound of the alarm. You're responsible for warning the city. You're responsible for the people in the church. Y'all, even the military has people stationed to warn of impending danger. How much more should we, come on, the children of God, those called in the 5-4, be the warning sign, the warning signal to those who are that are in danger. And whose job is it to warn them? Us, right? The spiritual leaders. It's not the politician's job. It's not the media's job. It's our job to warn the people. And yet so many people refuse to do it. They don't want to. I hate to hear somebody say, I just don't want to bring politics in the pulpit. You're not bringing politics in the pulpit. You're bringing morality in the pulpit. They've made it political, not us. And so we've got to remember, I'm talking about morality. I'm talking about kingdom versus world culture. And I've got to be able to tell them I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about morality. This is how children of God have to live and have to act. Amen? In order to get them to do that. And so the thing about it is you've got to make sure that this is what you're talking about. Both are, but, but The pastor who does nothing but preach politics or preach what's happening in the pulpit versus the whole well-rounded ver, Bible, it's the same as those who re- refuse to do anything at all. Both of them are dangerous. We're, re- we're responsible for warning them, but we're also responsible for teaching the whole counsel of God. Amen? So you've got to be able to preach this whole thing. You know, that's why sometimes I'll do it book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Sometimes God gives you a topic, Some day, you know, whatever. Just do whatever God wants you to do. Preach what He tells you to preach. Amen? Not what man wants or anybody else wants. And the thing about it is, love is never condemning people. It just warns them of their, the, what sin's going to do in their life, where it's going to take them. I had a young man, born again, spirit filled. He was doing great. He was on the worship team, and a couple, some people had gotten mad and left off the platform of the church and went down to a church down the street and started this little coffee house. And they called him because he's super talented, and they said, "Hey, we want you to come play in our band. You know, come play for our coffee house." And, so, of course, some of the people in the church that knew what would happen caught him on the phone and go, Are oh, you stupid? You don't need to go over there and do that. That's just crazy. Those people left the church offended. You don't go hang out with them. And he's like, I'm not listening to you. I'm going to call Pastor Lisa. So he calls me on the phone. And this is when it gets hard because not everybody understands spiritual issues. And sometimes you sound petty. Sometimes you sound like you're trying to control them. When you see the future down the road because you've seen it happen again and again. And so I sat him down and I said, I'm fixing to tell you something that sounds like I'm trying to control you and it sounds like I'm trying to hold on to you, but there are some spiritual laws that God has set in motion and some spiritual things that you don't understand yet because you're a babe. I said, but when you go hang out with people who are offended and have left the church, the first time they may not say anything, but they'll ask you a question. Is so-and-so still leading or so-and-so still at the church? Is this person still there or whatever? And it starts putting doubts in your mind about what's happening. And pretty soon you're going to come back to the church and any little thing they've said to you, the enemy's going to make sure to magnify it in front of you and you're going to start questioning authority. You're going to start questioning leadership. And I said, the sad thing is you'll walk away from God. He didn't listen to me. Went over there and played for him twice. Next thing I know, he quit coming to church because his family told him I was trying to control him. That's what they do at the Sea Church. They try to control you. And he walks away from God, and he's not serving God to this day. And it breaks my heart. But am I responsible for that now? No, because I warned him, right? You have to be honest with people. And sometimes you have to say this is not something you're going to understand. But this is how it works in the kingdom of God. And so we have to be careful. If, if somebody leaves the church offended, you need to be careful whether you're hanging out with them or not, whether you're talking to them or not. Because the Bible says that those who cause discord among the brethren to stay far from them. It's the hardest thing in the world to do because they'll put little seeds of doubt in you. So you have to be careful. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly be to your benefit. I love that scripture. Le- spiritual leaders are not here to run your life. We're not here. You don't have to, it's not the shepherding movement. You don't have to come ask me if you can buy a car. That's not the kind of things he's talking about. But I'm responsible as a pastor to watch over your soul. That means when I see you heading down the wrong path, it's my responsibility to warn you you're making the wrong turn. Come back over this way. And sometimes you're not going to always understand it, and they're not always going to understand it, but it's still our responsibility to warn them. And sometimes you're going to lose people because they don't understand what you're doing. But you've got to be okay with that. You know, I love my, my husband. He, he's great at looking at me. Sometimes when people walk away, he goes, just flush and go on. <laughs> just flush and go on. And that's hard sometimes to do. But you have to just flush it. One, one lady that came to our church, she said, Lisa, with proper, elim- with proper growth comes proper elimination. Just flush and go. But you that doesn't mean you don't have to pray. So we have to give an account. We're going to have to give an account for this, right? right? As pastors and leaders, we're going to, as spiritual leaders, we're going to do. And he said, they're going to have to give an account of the work we do. What work? The work as a watchman to do this. In Acts chapter 20, Paul warns people of wolves and sheep's clothing that devour the flock. And he fills, fulfills his duty as a watchman by saying, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. And he withheld nothing from them. He shared all the counsel of God with them. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. How many of y'all been groaning? Y'all, because we're dealing with a government right now that's passing agendas and policies that are anti-Christ. Darkness has breached the gates, and we have to fear God more than we fear man. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. Because once you compromise to keep somebody, how far are you going to go? I had people that were mad at me because I didn't say certain things from the pulpit. And I'm not going to say certain things from the pulpit just to please a person. I will only say what God tells me to say. And once you compromise to keep somebody, you're going to lose your soul in it. So don't do it. Charles Finney, I loved what he said. Charles Finney warned the clergy of their responsibility to speak God's word with conviction and boldness to save the nation. And he said, brethren, our preacher will bear its legitimate fruits. If morality prevails in the land, the fault is is ours to a great degree. If there's a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discrimination, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If our politics become so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, then the pulpit is responsible for it. Let us not ignore this fact, my dear brethren, but let us lay it to heart and be thoroughly awake to our responsibility in respect to the morals of our nation. We've got to speak into every institution. It's our responsibility. We encourage people, run for the school board, run for the city council, run in every office you can, get involved in your local, local um, city, get involved in everything that you can to support it, amen? But our fear of speaking the truth is just as horrible to God as lies and everything else. Listen to this, Revelations one eight says, But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. That word cowards is those who once believed and they pulled away. I mean, you think about how many people pull away because we're afraid to speak the truth. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. It has nothing, doesn't say anything until persecution comes doesn't say anything until they hate you. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In the midst of all of that, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And we've got to be from an office of position. Jude chapter 1, what does it tell us to do? Contend for the faith. Y'all, that word contend is not a passive thing. It is an aggressive contending for the faith. You know, people, they, they, these pe- people always want to come up with a new idea, a new word. Y'all, it's all the same. These young people sometimes surprise me. They want to come up with something new and catchy. We don't need anything catchy. We got the Word. That's all the catchiness you need. We've got the anointing. That's going to catch people. We don't need something new and fancy. We don't need to be dressed a certain way. You need the anointing. You need the power of God. And that's what's going to draw people in. You don't have to change everything to please a young person. They're hungry for the Word. They're going to be there. Luckily, our children are are kind of spaced apart. So I've got a 36-year-old, a 30-year-old, and a 24-year-old. And all of them, thank God, work in the ministry with us. All of them love God. All of them love the church. They still love their grandmother. They still want to sit at her feet and learn from her because what's going to happen is they're watching you. How much are you honoring the fathers of the faith? I'm serious about this. This is the biggest downfall in the church right now. We are no longer honoring the fathers of our faith. And if they watch us honor the fathers of the faith, then the next generation is going to honor the fathers of the faith. We we were talking about here, you've you've got to set this precedence because the Word of God never changes. So just like it was good in the beginning... Come on, in the early church, what did the Bible promise us? The ladder's going to be greater than the beginning. And if it was good then, how much better is it going to be now? And we've got, to, we've got to get them. And you can't let them go with the newest, latest fad thing that's out there. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the worship's even changed. Now people want to do this thing where they're soaking And they're singing all these songs about me and what God's done for me. They're great. He's done great things. But when I'm in the house, I need to be worshiped and focused on Him. Because when I talk about Him, when I talk about His goodness, when I talk about His majesty, when I sing about His greatness, then the presence of God comes, right? And it changes. And so the, what, what we're finding is right now they're in love with worship, man. They're in love with the feeling of worship. They're in love with the emotion that comes with worship. But they're not in love with His Word. So we, as the leaders, have to figure out, okay, how do I get them to keep worshiping because I want them to worship, but i got to have them fall in love with His Word too. So we've got to set the plan up that, oh, I'll let you all enjoy your worship, but you're not leaving here till you get some Word. And you've got to teach them how to fall in love with His Word because all this is going to do is lead them in the wrong direction. They're going to get in touch with how they feel. And when they're seeking and searching for a feeling or seeking and searching for something like that, the enemy's going to oblige them. And I don't want them to get hooked up with what the enemy's doing. I want them to get hooked up with knowing the presence of God, not some false presence that the enemy's going to give them. So if they don't know the Word then they're not going to know that this presence that's coming doesn't line up with what's in here. So we've got to set it. We've got to set the example. And we've got to show them how to fall in love with His Word. So we talk about it all the time. We, we listen to them talk about it. Might have been talking too long. Hallelujah. God is so good. He says in, in um, Jude chapter 1, Verse 3, he says, Dear friends, I've been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write to you about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and all for His holy people. So the word to defend here means to, to, it's it's like to enter a contest, to fight with adversaries. It's demanding, it's tough activity which is carried out with great passion and zeal. So how do you contend and defend the faith? You have to have a basic understanding of the worldview. You have to know what you're fighting against. It's going to require time and it's going to require sacrifice. You cannot fight the enemy without knowing his tactics. What is CRT? What is the Equality Act? What is climate change? What is reproductive health? What are the catchphrases they're repeating over and over and over again? That's getting people hooked and listening to. Provide a safeguard in your heart and a mind against those worldviews. There's no room for compromise, and the only way to provide the safeguards is to have the Word of God in your minds and in your heart. You've got to have it in here, and you've got to have it in here. Amen? You've got to pray in the Spirit often. Hold on to the truth with everything that you have. We never thought that we would drift this far from truth. We talked about when the CDC puts on their websites how men can breastfeed babies. I said, all I do is feel sorry for those poor children. But y'all, come on. And then you want to trust them to tell you how to treat COVID? I want to trust them to tell me that there's more than one gender? And my favorite line is with climate change, follow the science. Well, you've not followed the science of biology biology that's been around forever. So we've got to know how to counteract this. Because what happens is it starts with one small, seemingly insignificant compromise. And then we've allowed them to take over our schools and the spiral began. You've got to commit to the Christian worldview. An office and position requires you to make an unwavering effort to develop your minds to God's glory. It will require reading and studying His word and prayer. It requires anything but surrender. We cannot and we've got to stand together against what's happening in this world. And we've got to stand for God every single time. First Peter chapter 5, verse 1 says, And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in this glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example, example. Teach them. Give them everything they need. Have classes that they need. Whatever it is they need in order to understand, and get there. Charles Spurgeon said, I glory in the distinguishing grace of God and will not, by the grace of God, step one inch from my principles or think of adhering to the present fashionable sort of religion. I will stick with his word. And I'm going to end up with this Romans eight 31. I'm going to read this in the message. Here's the thing we've got to remember. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. But none of this should faze us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demon, today or tomorrow, high or low, unthinkable or thinkable, absolutely nothing can come between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Guys, you're not fighting alone. That's right. Come on, you're not fighting alone. That's right. And if he died for us, what more will he do for us? Come on, how much more is He going to back up every step you take? How much more is He going to back up what comes out of your mouth? How much more is He going to let the power of God flow through you and out of you to change people's lives? How much more is He going to give you the power to snatch people out of hell? How much more is He going to give you to feed the flock of God? How much more revelation is He going to give you the right message at the right time, the right words to say wherever you go and wherever you step? Come on, we've got to be so full of the Spirit of God that wherever I go, wherever I walk, Pastor Kempi and I were in New York right in the middle of the Kavanaugh trials and all these women, crazy women full of hate everywhere trying to get him not elected and all these paraphernalia and outfits they had on that were not godly and we had to walk through them, and Pastor Kempe and I stopped, and we grabbed each other's hands, and I said, I, I curse every foul spirit that's controlling these women. We God shut their mouths till we get through. They'll not be able to talk. They'll not be able to say anything. Y'all have got to start taking territory. You've got to start taking ground. When you speak out of your mouth and use the name of Jesus, every demon in hell has to obey you. Come on, when you walk into a school board meeting, you better walk in with the confidence, come on, of who you are in Him. Don't be afraid of what to say. What did God tell the early disciples? He said, don't, be, don't, don't worry about what you're going to say. When you get there, He said, you're going to open your mouth and you'll say what I tell you to say. You don't have to worry about preparing a speech. You don't have to worry about what you're going to do. You pray in the Spirit before you get there, you walk up that microphone, you'll be surprised at what God does. I've been amazed that God put me in places I never thought I'd be, to see things I never thought I was going to see. If you ever asked me if I'd stand in front of an abortion clinic and pray, I'd tell you, you're crazy. Come on, Ellie knows we were out of our comfort zone big time. We got spit on. We got called names. We were told we were the scum of the earth. One poor pastor, I felt so sorry for him. He's just standing there minding his own business by the, this van that we park and a lady walked by and honked a wad on his back. And I'm thinking, nobody's even talking to you. But see, that's how much the enemy hates what you stand for. And he loves the sacrifice of innocent lives. But guys, we got to stand up, we got to fight for what's right. We got to love what God loves and hate what God's hates. And it's never we don't ever hate the person. We love them because that's a soul that he died for. But I can't say that what you're doing is okay. I can never condone sin. But I can love you enough to help you out of that sin. God's exposing some things to us we never ever thought we'd be part of. But guys, you're going to have transgender people. You're going to have people who've already been mutilated that come into your church. And God, you're going to have to help them. You're going to have lesbians and homosexuals that come into your church and that want to be delivered but don't know how to be delivered. And we've got to be able to surround them. We've got to already be thinking of who's going to be on that team. Who's going to call them every day? Who's going to surround them? I I, I found this lady. I, I just thought it was, her name is Linda Seiler and she's ordained through the Assemblies of God who was once a homosexual and God has delivered her and she said it took her 11 years to get delivered because they had no idea what they were doing. She said it should never take that long now, but she's divined a whole curriculum to train churches on how to help these people. So it's just amazing what God's doing, but we got to hook up with it. And God, God's, God's doing amazing things with bringing different camps together and molding them together because we don't have time to fight. We're all on the same team, in souls Come on, because he's coming back soon. And we've got to be about the master's business, not our personal business. We've got to be about the master's business. And who better to do it than people full of faith, come on, full of the Spirit of God, that know how to pray in the Holy Ghost and get the mind and the will of God for every situation you're going to face. Stand to your feet. I want to read this prayer to you hello hallelujah this is this is a prayer i don't know who wrote this but i love it he says stick with your work and do not flinch because of the lion's roar do not stop to stone the do- devil's dog do not fool away your time by chasing after the devil's rabbits do your work let liars lie let secretarians quarrel he said let Critics malign, let enemies arise, let the devil do his worst, but see to it that nothing hinders you from fulfilling with joy the work God has given you. He's not commanded you to be admired or esteemed. He has never been you to defend your character. He has set, not set you at work to contradict falsehood which Satan or God's servants are to peddle or to track down every rumor that threatens your reputation. Let me just, just encourage you, don't try to defend yourself. I don't care what accusations are thrown at you. Don't try to defend yourself. God said he will vindicate you. Yes. Keep your mouth shut. Keep on doing what you're called to do, and God will vindicate you. If you do these things, you will do nothing else. You will be at work for yourself and not for the Lord. Keep at your work. Let, let your aim be as steady as a star. You may be assaulted, wronged, insulted, slandered, wounded, and rejected misunderstood or assigned impure motives you may be abused by foes forsaken by friends and despised and rejected by men but see to it with steadfast determination with unfaltering zeal that you purpose the great purpose of your life and object of your being until at last you can say i have finished the work which thou gavest me to do Amen. Amen. amen father we just thank you so much for your word Father, I thank you for every single person in this place tonight. Father, they're here because they're in love with you. They're here, Father, because you've given each and every one of them an assignment. Father, I thank you we'll not be shaken by anything that's in this world. We'll stick to the call that God has placed on our lives. Father, we'll preach and say what you tell us to say will not be, be, be one that want to tickle a man's ears, but, Father, will speak truth and love. Father, I thank you that in the days and the weeks and the months to come, Father, as they seek your face, as they pray in the Holy Ghost, Father, you'll give them divine direction. Father, you're, you're going to give them plans, pursuits, things, Father, that you want them to do for the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you that with that come the finances to get the job done. Father, ministries are going to be birthed from this night. Plans and pursuits will be birthed from this night. Father, I thank you that we all say yes to the Master. Whatever you ask us to do, Father, the answer is yes thank you and praise you for it in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah thank you father oh we magnify your name Jesus we exalt you father increase the boldness father God you're so good father so so good lord hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, hallelujah, Pastor Bob, hallelujah, oh, we magnify your name, we magnify your name, magnify your name,
0: hallelujah, 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 Bless you, Lord, bless you, Lord, bless you, Lord, bless you, Lord, Jesus. Glory to you, Lord, glory to you, Lord. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. Bless you, Lord, bless you, Lord, bless you, Lord, bless you, Lord. Hallelujah,
2: hallelujah, hallelujah. There are some of you that have listened to this message. and You've geared yourself up for a fight, but you've geared yourself up for a fight with also a losing attitude. For everyone, for everyone, for everyone that walks away, I will replace, and I will not just replace, but I will add to I will add to, I will add to, I will increase my army, I will increase their power, I will increase the might on them, and they will stand and stand firm. Don't look and think, oh, we're in for a rough time. Yes, you're in, but you're in for a rough time of winning. You will win in the end. You will win in the end. So rejoice, rejoice. Rejoice. I never put you in a fight that I haven't already declared you will win. I haven't put you on the forefront for you to pick up those that have lost. I picked you up in the forefront for you to see the winners, and the winners will come on your side. Begin to decree, I will be stronger than I was before. Come on, decree it. I will be stronger than I was was before. My church will not go down, but it will increase. My church will not go down, but it will increase. If you'll say it and you'll believe it, I will act on your word, and it will be. Thus saith the Lord.
0: Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. I think God just set you up. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God just set you up to win. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. You take a word to yourself like that and there'll be no fear. No fear here. No fear here. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Praise the Lord. We're leaving stronger than we came. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead and be seated for a moment. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, That's an anointing that you can sow into because that's what you want in your life. You know, I can't help but think about the Shunammite woman that she said about Elisha passing by. And she said, "I, I, I believe this is a man of God passing by. But, you know, it wasn't about the man. It's about the anointing. And she sent that the anointing had passed her, was there. And she's like, I want to make place for the anointing. And um, she did. And Elisha said to her, and he said to Gehazi, what should we do for her? See, because when you do something like that, God wants to take care of you. And She said, I don't really need anything, but there was a need that she had or a want that she wanted, and God met that in a child. But then the devil came to steal that child and to kill that child. But what did she do? The child was a promise, and she took that promise, that child, and brought him right back to that seed brought him back to that bed, brought him back to that room in that seed that she had given to that man of God, to the anointing. And, of course, we know the boy was raised from the dead. And then there was a famine in the land. And she has to leave the land for a number of years. She comes back after so many years, and she visits the king, and she's going to ask the king for her land back and what belonged to her. Just so happens Gehazi is there talking to the king about all the things Elijah did. And when she shows up, Gehazi says to the king, oh, behold, this is the woman that I was telling you about, that Elijah raised her son from the dead. And the king says, well, then give her back everything that belongs to her and everything she lost when she left the land. Give it back to her and restore her totally. But you see, well, why did that happen? Because she sowed a seed into the anointing, didn't expect anything in return. She just wanted to honor God because the anointing, see, she felt so blessed and honored that the anointing would pass her by and come her way. There's an anointing that has come your way in these meetings. And it's a time to connect into that anointing with your seed, And as you do, you might say there are things that you have needs of, but there are things that you want and need that only God knows about. And God wants to do for you. What you don't even consider can be done. Just like he did with the Shunammite woman. But it's all about connecting into that anointing. So as we sow our seed this evening for Pastor Lisa... We want to do it gratefully, thankfully and joyfully that God would bring that anointing in our direction and allow that anointing to come by us and then allow us to connect into that anointing to receive and pull out all that that anointing has brought our way. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Are you ready? Are you ready to connect? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If you need an envelope, it's on the seat back in front of you. Cash, credit card for the envelope, checks made out to new life. Mark your envelope or your check for Pastor Lisa. We'll make sure that she gets everything. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you so much. Father, whether it's in the room or whether it's online on live stream, Father, any place online that they are sowing their seed right now to Pastor Lisa into this anointing. Because just like Elijah, he was the man that carried that anointing. Pastor Lisa has carried this anointing. And God has blessed us by coming our way with this anointing. We sow into it, Lord God. We do it gratefully. We do it thankfully. We do it with a heart of honor to you. For you have blessed us with your anointing and your presence. And that's all that it's about. We want to honor you. And we do so right now with our seed being sown and connecting into this anointing. We thank you, Father. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you, Father, that you've allowed this anointing to come our way. We receive that, Father. And we honor you in return with our giving. In Jesus' name, amen.